Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to the Winner Winner PUBG Podcast. My name is Mike, aka MTB Trigger, and I'll be your host today. And with me, as always, is the other host here at Winner Winner, the One Heart. But I just call him Kev. He calls me Mike, Trig, MTB, whatever. It's a thing. So if you're new to the show, we talk about all things PUBG, primarily on the PC version. But I think today's discussion could be applied to any of the platforms. So we're excited to jump in. Support for this show is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use code XPMedia, that's XPMedia, X-P-M-E-D-I-A, at Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping on your order. So today we wanted to talk about what we'd like to see from PUBG in 2021. We've heard a lot from PUBG at the end of last year, and we're starting to hear whisperings this year about what we might be getting into And many others are actually starting to share throughout the PUBG community their ideas for what they'd like to see, whether it's opportunities or things they feel are wrong. We're ready to see what PUBG really is going to do, and we want to talk about the biggest opportunities and the things we would love to see this year for PUBG. Probably the biggest driving factor for this was a couple of posts from community members. So specifically, there was a twit longer post from Chaco Taco on Twitter. And of course, we'll have links to anything we talk about in the show notes, as well as a very recent post from player IGN. Chaco's post was basically about core gameplay, and specifically it pointed out what other games do with core gameplay. He referenced Rocket League, Counter-Strike, and other games that are focused on their core gameplay in a way that they don't change it. All they do is surround it with other changes on things that are not core. He followed this up by going into detail on what things in PUBG could change right now today that may help alleviate some of the issues that the community seems to be very focused on, or maybe the most prevalent ones to fix. Player IGN's post was discussing the knock system, and he was talking about his opinion based on how other battle royales have taken PUBG's innovation, which the knock system originally was, and they have now moved it into a full revive system where there is a knock and res system, but in addition to that, there are ways to bring a teammate back from the dead. And they have taken this knock system and evolved it and innovated on it. And that's how the other BRs, in his opinion, have moved past PUBG in that realm. So for us, for Kev and I, this kind of sparked the debate about what is core gameplay in PUBG? What isn't core? What are the things that could be changed? Where are the big opportunities for taking PUBG to the next level at this point in the life cycle? So before we jump into all of that, Kev, how are you, man? What have you been up to recently? What games have been on the radar for you? Hey, man. Give you some time to catch your breath there, man. That's a lot, <laughs> a lot you had to say to get started, dude. It's always hard to be like, all right, you lead this episode. And uh, and then I just sit there and I'm like, I'll be quiet for two minutes at least. You know, <laughs> I, It takes everything I have not to just start start chiming in on things like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, and this and that. But we'll, we'll get into that soon. I'm good, man. I mean, I've been playing uh, in terms of the gaming and stuff. I've been playing a lot of Valheim, which has just kind of taken the gaming world by storm. I think there's like 5 million players already. Wow. It is 
an incredibly addicting game for how, you know, like simple it looks on the surface and then how complex it gets. But like, it's just, it's really approachable if you like building and kind of like survival PVE games, you know, it, it's, it's approachable, it's fun. And like, you think you spent one hour and it turns out it's like you've been playing for like four or five and it's, it's way past your bedtime all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> some, some late nights on that just kind of grinding on that uh playing apex and uh you know still dabbling with PUBG. definitely keeping my you know my finger on the pulse with it checking in and, and seeing things you know checking out every new update and, and playing but yeah playing a lot of apex um seeing some like really good improvement actually in my games over there hitting over 10 kill games pretty often getting you know two almost 3k damage games and stuff like that which is i never thought i would get there when i first started playing because apex came out right when i was new to pc gaming then it took a huge break from it came back so it's been really fun testing my you know, massive keyboard and, and overall like gaming prowess, like evolution from the early days when we started the show and, and I started playing PUBG and Apex. Like now it's been, been kind of fun to see that improvement over there. What about you, man? Uh, pretty much same old for me. I've been playing basically Tarkov and PUBG back and forth. <laughs> and speaking of that, it was crazy yesterday, actually. I got a shout out to Mr. Hollywood Bob Live. Mr. Bob, the Babarazzi. We, I, uh, I was doing a tournament qualification for Tarkov. And when that was done, I got a, a notification that the servers were going to be going down for Tarkov after I completed my qualification. And I had about an hour and a half left to play. So I switched over to PUBG and I was going to queue up solo, but the, the queue time was a little long. So I decided to just do random duos. And I got popped into a game with Hollywood Bob and we dropped into Miramar and got owned by the first team. And I was like, oh man, I haven't played with him in forever. Probably like a year and a half since I played with him. And we uh, we get out of that game and I was, I was bummed because it would have been cool to get to the end of a Miramar game with him. So I queued up again, figured he was just doing random duos on stream. But we ended up getting into the next game on Erangel on the same team again. And he started telling me that the game before I hopped in, he was on Erangel. He had the opportunity for a bridge camp, but his teammate wasn't talking and ultimately ruined the bridge camp. So I said, all right, well, let's go military. Let's let's get this bridge camp to go. So we, we drop into military with, I think... 12 or 13 other teams like the sky was littered with parachutes we end up winning there we dropped to the factory building we cleared out the satellite tower and we ended up rotating to the bridge and we wanted to do a reverse bridge camp because the circle went to milta power so we end up setting up our bridge camp we wiped out two teams on the bridge there and then we had to do a you know hands on hip aqua rail water transfer across the big old river we ended up coming up on the south South side of Milta, where there's that big beach and that huge flat area with like, you know, a handful of trees, but it's mostly flat ground. And we ended up getting into just back to back to back fights where we pushed into the fence on small power. And then we ultimately had to smoke our way across that fence line as we were getting sniped across from the hills. And we ended up pulling out just a massive, I think it was 16 or 17 kill game, where at the very end, and this is the big shout out, Bob got into a car and knocked one of the guys in there three smokes as he drove through it. He called his shot, he took it, he ran a guy over, and then I hit the final shot on the guy's teammate and we got the W. It was absolutely insane and one of the most memorable games I've had recently. And the noise that came out of Hollywood Bob at the end of that game was incredible. It was the highest pitch I've ever heard that man use. 
and he's got one of the lowest best voices on Twitch, man. <laughs> I was gonna say the movie trailer voice of PUBG getting that high. I oh, think I gotta yeah. check it out. It I'm was hoping up this there. Is, is this going on uh going on YouTube? Oh yeah, I'd imagine that uh he'll have up on his side and I'll definitely get it up on ours as well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we'll update the show notes when those uh go live at some point. Exactly. So, yeah, great game recently. Uh, I'm excited for your recent gaming experience as well, because as we're talking about core gameplay and opportunities, sometimes the best way to get a view on a game we have so many hours in is actually to play something else, see how other games are doing it, and to feel how it can be different. When we say core gameplay, like, what does core gameplay mean to you as we dive into this discussion about PUBG's core gameplay and opportunities. Well, I think, you know, before we really jump too far into that, I think it's important to kind of talk about, we're going to be addressing kind of some of the stuff that Chaco brings up for like what we can change today. And then some things that player IGN talks about and without going too far into what he talks about that you could change today. Chaco brings up like circle settings and that they move too fast so you cannot run them, but they don't do enough damage either. So you can sit in the blue for too long. It should be more of a presence. You should be able to outrun it, but it should be very painful when you're in it. He talks about like overly central circles on certain maps, endgame hard shifts, an overabundance of map selection or map cues, and how really it should be an 8x8, which we'll get into that. And then there's just things like loot buffs that could happen that shouldn't be overdone but need to be more med-based and things like that. Flare guns. Issues with ammo being only 15 and 20 round boxes for things. Everything should be 30 and 60 just to keep ammo prevalent. Scrounging for ammo is one of the hardest things in the game. It's always tough. He talks about the knock bleed mechanic, which we will get into at more length than probably any of these examples. And then... um, Really just the idea that PUBG is not a survival game and and stuff about bots, you know, uh, we'll get into all that as well. But just so you know, and if, in case you don't get to the twit longer, that's kind of what he was addressing. He did that back in December, so it's only been a few months. But I think those things still hold true and they've held true for a long time now. So when I think of core gameplay, for me, the number one thing that comes to mind and, and sets PUBG apart from every other game I've ever played is just the gunplay and how fantastic it is. I don't know of any game that really gets it as well as PUBG can. Yeah, for me, that's what I always come back to, you know, especially playing a little bit of Tarkov, right? They have probably the most robust gun customization system in any game I've ever played on Tarkov. But when it comes to the actual gunplay, it's nothing like what PUBG has. And it's always the thing that I have to compare. I said, you know what? If you like player versus player and you like shooting back and forth, there is nothing better than PUBG gunplay. I agree, man. Like top of my list, number one thing is that if PUBG was going to not change something or keep an idea so firm, it's that gunplay has to be front and center because it is the thing that is the most fun. It's also the most rewarding thing. You know, it's not always fun to be on the receiving end of somebody who has mastered gunplay. However, when you hit the snipe, when you hit the long range spray, when you win the close quarters combat battle, it is the most rewarding and I would put it right up there as the most fun part about this game. It's the thing that always, always brings me back, whether I've been playing another game for a day or a week, I always crave the gun battles that PUBG offers. Yeah, a really good like medium range like spray with a with an AR just feels fantastic. Hitting that long range moving, you know, snipe headshot with you know, your uh with your car 98, 
hitting multiple back-to-back DMR shots. I mean, those things just feel good, and no game really gets it as well. And, you know, you talk about Tarkov. I think Tarkov feels best, the gunplay itself feels best, when you're doing DMR taps, because that's the one thing that, like, really relies on your actual skill. Whereas, I think, you know, you talk about all these attachments that you can put on in Tarkov. Tarkov doesn't have, like, crazy, like, recoil control things. You know, it either has a lot of recoil or it doesn't. So in that sense, the recoil control is based on the gun and, and not as much the player. I mean, the player makes a, an impact in their positioning and, and how quickly they can execute things, but a lot of it comes down to how many attachments and how much money have you spent on your gun, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, do right. you have a 200,000 ruble gun? Then you can just point and shoot, you know? If you have an AK, you got to stop maybe just tap fire, hit your headshots, those kind of things. You can't spray and pray like you can with the Vector, which I heard is just a monster. I haven't played it all this way, but, you know, just certain guns that are super meta because they either are easy to use or easy to kit up or things like that. So, yeah, PUBG gunplay just feels so good. If that ever changed, we'd ruin it, really. I mean, there's just nothing better. And, you know, even on console, my friends who play console still love the fact that there is no recoil control. It takes time to learn it. And when you see some of the best people on console and what they can do, you know it is their skill and their skill alone. I mean, some of these top like streamers and stuff we play are absolutely insane. And they're on a controller. And it just goes to show that you can be really masterful with it. And it's just something you don't get. You know, we talk about how the guns do things for you in Tarkov. And, you know, I also think to like Warzone, there's just not enough distinctness to guns or recoil. You know, there's there's all these metas with their loadouts, which is another thing I just can't stand about Warzone. It's like playing with the same loadout, no attachments on the ground, no scrounging for your perfect sight or grip, like that kind of stuff. It's just all there. But there's just nothing, there's none of the distinctness to the guns in a game like Warzone. There's just something special about having an M4 in your hands and finally finding it compared to having any other, you know, having your barrel or whatever. Like they all just have their their place. They have their strong points. And, you know, I just think they've done such a good job of making guns feel distinct and well-defined recoil management system that is so rewarding to get better at. It's what brought me back time and time again until I got to a level where I felt really, really comfortable with it. Yeah, that's the core of PUBG in my mind. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned something there about like how Warzone has the attachments and how, you know, in Warzone, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's really focused around getting a loadout drop, which lets you have pre-built setups that you just literally get given. There is looting in the game, but the whole point is to like not do that and have it just give you exactly what you want. And so I guess the question I have then is, do you think looting and the scarcity concept is a core gameplay thing that PUBG needs to dig into? Is it core gameplay? Is there opportunity there? Because I do think you're right to some extent. I think that there's something to say like, yeah, there's like the barrel is an incredibly good gun right now in PUBG, but there's a lot of people that don't like to touch it unless they can get the compensator and a vertical grip. And so when you do either luck into or you loot off of an enemy, the ability to kit out a barrel with the best attachments that you like, that can be a really great feeling. You know, so looting is something that's really interesting. You know, is that core gameplay or is there opportunity there? When I think about Warzone, I think back to actually Blackout before it, and I just think so many things about Blackout were more fun and more BR in my mind. Now, it had its balance issues, and God knows on PC it had its cheating issues, which (laughs) Warzone still has today. (laughs) Um, You know, Activision just doesn't know what an anti-cheat is, apparently. But 
I just enjoyed, you know, like trying to find the scope I wanted, but maybe I just had to go no scope and use the iron sights or, or use a Skype that like, you just use some sort of site that I don't actually love, but it's what I got at the moment and, and stuff like that. I thought, I do think having to pick up attachments and, and find the gun that you want or make do with the gun that like, yeah, I'm okay with this gun, but you know, I'd like to find my M4 or whatever, like trading up later is good, but just getting what you want is bad. What I really think about, you know, in terms of like, should you be looting and, and those kind of things, I actually think about a recent mode that's been in Apex, um, which was called Locked and Loaded. And so you actually dropped into the game with their white armor, which we could just say is, you know, the level one vest. And you have a base amount of uh, meds. So it could just be, for PUBG's sake, you know, some bandages, like a five stack of bandages and like two, you know, energy drinks. Now, what I didn't like was you you landed with their handgun shotgun, the Mozambique. I don't think you should land in a BR with a gun. I don't don't like that. But I really liked the fact that you landed with the base stuff. And then what it actually did was um, there was no white attachments. So they're, they're basic, most basic things because um, they have like levels of extended mags, levels of barrel attachments and stuff. They took out all of the base white stuff. So it was only blue purple, gold, and it meant that everyone was kind of kitted up a little faster and was able to get in, get what they want, and the fights just felt really good because almost everyone had at least the mid-tier, they had enough meds. It changed the scarcity of things to a good degree, and fights just felt really good and sometimes a little drawn out because of the fact that everyone had what they needed to take the fight and, and do what they you know needed to do, and I thought it was really a really good implementation. Aside from the fact that you could land with a gun and kind of just like single out a single player and take him out of the game, which, you know, they have the respawn stuff, so it's not the worst thing, but it's still kind of difficult to do, which we'll get into. But yeah, I think looting is important, but I really do think that things could be a little bit more accessible too. I don't think it's a problem to have 10 minutes in, everyone should have what they want or at least what they need to be competitive. So a long range and something for close to medium. You should have that and you should have some heals. You shouldn't have to loot an entire compound and only find like one med. You know, like that that happens in PUBG and it's really frustrating because it's just that that's like overly RNG to the point of it being unfun. And then you're just like, well, I'm, I'm wasting time. Yeah, I think one of the things that I believe is core is looting off the ground. But I think the initial game area is an opportunity to your point. I think you know, other games have tried, you know, Warzone, you start with a pistol, right? Uh, Apex, you start with the Mozambique. And, and those aren't great guns by any means. But in PUBG, when you're unarmored, somebody who has very good aim could really abuse starting with a pistol. They're in a good power level right now. But if somebody got really good at getting to the ground and then just looking back and waiting for someone to drop and shoot them right as they hit the ground, that's going to cause so many people to not want to play, and it's just not worth it, I don't think. Oh, yeah, I don't ever want to land with a gun. Then even, like, an Apex, you know. And granted, everyone dropped it, and the nice thing was that everyone dropped it and it didn't spawn in boxes anymore either, so you weren't, like, getting pinged, like, Mozambique here by your friends right. being jerks, you know. It was, like, it was just kind of out of the game for the most part. But, yeah, I don't ever want to land with guns, but I do think we could try a mode for a bit and make it, like, not a triable MOBA, just make it public matches, where you just land with your white armor, your level one, sorry, too much Apex, you land with your <laughs> level one, and you get some base meds, just some base meds so that you have something, and the time to kill is a little bit more normal, what you'd see most of the game, instead of that, you know, no vest, nothing that you get at the start, which means that someone can land a little faster than you turn around, and just instantly put you down. Having the vest might 
get you around that corner, gets you a gun, and you turn around and you eat something out with just a little bit of health left. I don't think that's a bad thing. Or it could at least be interesting to try because it also would affect the loot rates. You get more level twos, level two vests around, and just more guns can be around. Yeah, I think there's opportunity there. I agree with you. And it's one of the areas I'd love to see some testing. And and specifically, I you brought up a really good point that you said testing on the live server. One of the things I would really love to see from PUBG would be rather than, you know, putting something on the test server, it's only there for a week and then it goes to live. Well, not many people play on the test server. So I don't even know why that's really even a thing other than critical bugs, right? So if it needs to be there for critical bugs, fine. But I don't know why there wouldn't be a month, right? And it doesn't have to be attached to a season. It doesn't have to be attached to, you know, some uh, battle pass of any kind. But what if in April of this year, they said every game you're going to start with a level one bag, a level one vest, and a first aid kit, right? So it's not like you can pop a painkiller and and outrun your opponent. But at the very least, if you come across four smoke grenades and some meds and you don't happen to find a gun, you can at least pick all that up and you don't have to double back and find it. That's not something that keeps you in the game. In fact, it takes you straight out of the game and you're mad at the development It has nothing to do with skill on you or the other person. And when you die to a complete random scenario where the other person landed on a barrel and you landed on six smoke grenades and no meds or whatever, I just don't see that as being sustainable. And it's something that I would love to just see the attempt. Like, just tell us what you're doing. Just say, hey, we're trying this for this amount of time. Here's what we're trying to solve, and we're curious if this does it. I think the entire place would be okay with a two-week trial of that or a four-week trial of that, especially if it was said, hey, we wonder if we can you know, level out the early game looting and the med situation if we remove level one bag spawns and level one vest spawns, and you just start with those and we replace those in the loot table and allow everything else to spawn more. Yeah, I, I I think that would have some people, some masochist, you know, <laughs> who would be against it. But by and large, I think if you played with it long enough, you'd be like, you know what, this actually this actually works pretty well. Another thing is, you know, if they said that, you know, we're going to go to testing a lot of these things on the live servers in public matches and you kind of just have to get used to that being a thing. When that locked and loaded Apex thing was going on. That was just all public matches. So if you played duos or trios and it wasn't ranked, you played like that. But then if you did play ranked, it had the regular, you know, land with no vest, nothing. And you had to loot. And you know what? Honestly, I played a few games. It felt slow. It just felt pretty slow. So again, yeah, I mean, it would allow you to get into the gunplay that makes PUBG so unique. It makes that TTK more of that normal sweet spot and allows for more healing. Another thing that I think is kind of core to PUBG is the healing, the speed of it, and the way that it works in general. You know, you you don't get overly buffed by anything, and the time to heal is pretty smart. You know, you can push based on a sound cue that you got. You can pull off a pretty good cue. The healing is tied into the time to kill, and I think it all works pretty well. I think one of the best things they ever did was adding the moving while healing. Real slow, but you can kind of move around a little bit. But again, that goes back to the loot issues where if you can't find heals, you're out of the fight or you can't take the fight properly. You have to play back on your heels and you end up ultimately losing because you're getting chunked for health that you cannot replace. Where under normal circumstances, you should be able to. Especially with how good players are these days, the heels need to be there. But the healing system is core to what makes PUBG PUBG. It's not ultra fast. It's not like 
war zone where you're sprinting and throwing plates back in your, your chest, you know. It's not overly fast or overly slow. It's like it's really in the right spot. It's what makes PUBG feel like PUBG in terms of uh, pacing. I agree. And I, I think it's also one of the systems that it doesn't need to get more complex for the sake of being more complex. Like there's already interesting decisions to be made when you're healing, right? There's times where you may not be able to top off, but you may have time to pop an energy drink instead of a painkiller. And as you dig deeper and deeper into the game, the amount of time it takes to do certain things affects your decision and it makes interesting decisions to heal. And you're right, that moving while healing made it just a little bit more interesting. You know, you could feel like you could take cover or you weren't exposed because the system froze you. But I don't think there needs to be any development or additional things added on to healing, right? I mean, you have a majority heal in the first aid, you have a full heal in the med kit, and you have a partial heal in the bandage. And then you have the same thing from Boost with the adrenaline, syringe, painkiller, and energy drink. There are times when, you know, you really want to heal full with the med kit, but you don't need to, you don't have the time. Maybe you only have time for two bandages, and that's going to be better than, you know, not getting any heals off and having to cancel a med kit. So it already creates an interesting dynamic, and you're right. It lends itself towards a PvP situation. I'll harp on my Tarkov experience. In Tarkov, their healing system and debuff system is so deep that if you get into a big fight with another person and you both heavily wound each other, it can take literal minutes for you to be able to get back into the fight enough to where you're comfortable to the point where you can be limping around, you can be bleeding, you can get poison. I mean, it's all these things. <laughs> and you could just bleed out from the heavy bleed really fast now, right? right? I haven't even played since that was in, but you need like tourniquets now and like all these crazy things. And it's like, it's just, it's way too much for a BR, obviously, but it's just like, it's overwhelming at certain points, right? It is. And it's for survival. That game is focused on surviving. Everybody can win in a Tarkov raid if they all survive the PvP and everything going on. That's not the case for PUBG. It's designed, the circle's pushing people in, it's forcing engagements. And I think the healing system in PUBG is perfect for that because it does take a little bit of time, but you can move, you can be strategic, and you can kind of get a feel for how much damage you did, allowing you to rotate, allowing you to push, allowing you to reset fights. Like It's a really core thing how the healing is set up right now. I don't think it needs innovation. I don't think it needs changes. So I do. I agree with you. I think it's core. Yeah. I did think of one thing, actually, from another recent gaming experience. Um, I got a little bit in the rust when the rust craze kind of started because of all the OTV stuff, and, and I played it. I realized I shouldn't play it. Because it just, it's way too time consuming and, you know, the uh, waking up and realizing that your entire base got wiped was terrible. But they had an interesting thing with healing in that game where you could pull out a syringe or a bandage and you left click to use it on yourself, but you right click and you use it on someone else. So I was thinking maybe something like that could actually be put in the PUBG. And the one scenario that I think that could be really nice is when you're driving and you take a little bit of spray damage, but no one gets knocked, and your driver is still sitting there on 5 HP while the rest of you are bandaging, you could be sitting in the back seat or look over to your left from the front seat and potentially right-click and start bandaging them. You know, you can only bandage in a car anyway as you're going or take a drink. 
Right. But you could kind of top them off a little bit. You know, it's so annoying having to be like, okay, are you ready? I'm going to switch so I can heal. Instead, it's just like, dude, I'm going to heal you. You keep driving. You know, you're, you're the driver right now. Just, just focus well, on driving. Well, and if driving. you're in the glider or the new roadster, you can't do that. You can't even do it. Yeah. I don't think that would like hurt the game in any real way or make driving OP because what makes driving OP right now and something that I think could be changed is the way too easy drive-bys. That was overtuned and I think they probably should go back to the old way. I think a lot of people would agree with that. It's just so easy. The stability is too high, right? And that should be changed. But if you could heal a teammate, I think that'd be kind of cool. That's a great idea. Or and even if it needed to, you know, balancing effects, like if you heal somebody else, it's only 60% as effective or yeah. something, right? Some sort of debuff for doing it. But the drive-by meta, as it's so <laughs> proudly referred to by the uh, PGIS commentators, it's one of those things that just like the level one bag and the level one vest, I wish that it would have just been like a 30-day trial. Because I think if they would have just put it in live and said, hey, we want to test out vehicle combat and we want there to be less penalty for rotating in a car. I think that would have been a fantastic 30-day test. And I think they probably would have got the feedback if it was on live and everyone was experiencing it really quick. Because one of the things that doesn't happen a whole lot right now in PUBG is this idea of discovery, this idea of exploration. Rather than saying, hey, we reduced this recoil by 3%, I think they could get away with just saying, hey, we change the balancing on 5.56 and 7.62. How cool to have content creators that enjoy testing that stuff out, have something to go test out, and then having players experience it in-game for a while and give feedback on it versus giving exact stats on every little thing. Yeah, and that would just go back to less things in the test server that are just destined to fail. There's just a thing where every time something goes in to the test server, it doesn't get enough testing because if you don't get in there on PC like the first day, like that afternoon, there's a good chance you'll never get to try that mode out. And like arena mode comes to mind for me. It was so fun the one day we got to play it and then I couldn't get another game. And then they said right. well, the testing proved that it wasn't good. It's like testing proved that it was not accessible. <laughs> like that's it. Right. I think that's the hardest part about the test server and some of the things that got put on there is that they really didn't get tested. And when you have things that get tested only by the most hardcore of players that'll actually even download the test server. <laughs> that, you know, if that player base is really interested in like ranked and competitive situations, they may not be super good feedback for, you know, things like the arena mode and, and other, you know, test implementations. I think one of the most interesting things as I'm sitting here thinking about this, though, is, you know, there are really key aspects to some of these core gameplay things but they could still be innovated on like like your healing thing i i really when we started making the notes for this and we're talking about it i was like healing doesn't need anything well you were just talking about it and i was just thinking about it and it just popped in my head i was like ooh, ooh that was really cool Russ did a really good thing with that and if you want to look at developers who really change things and like listen and try and iterate on their core without changing things too far rust developers are insane they're so fast to like make changes, to admit when they're wrong and go back. I mean, they are really responsive to the community. It's pretty interesting to see how well they, they manage their game. It's just a game that's a little too intense for time for people to play if you really want to be involved in the game. Right. The only reason I'm not playing Rust is because I didn't want Rust to become my entire life. It's just right. one of those games for degenerates. And if you just watch any of the, the streamers are like, yeah, this is a game for degenerates. You have to play like 10 <laughs> hours a day, you know? <laughs> 
H. June especially will be the first to admit that, you know, but they they do some really cool things. Right. And that that's proof, though, that you can take a system that is mostly core and, and just change a little aspect on it and innovate a little bit, but you don't need to change the core, right? Allowing you to heal your teammate with it doesn't change the core. Um, it was kind of like allowing gas cans to be spread out and set on fire. Well, it didn't change the core use of the gas can for refueling vehicles or a glider, but adding that little tweak to the end of it made for some more interesting stuff to happen. And I think that's a key. Is it adding interesting or fun things to the game? Like an interesting decision would be to bandage your teammate at 60% effectiveness without having to ask them to seat swap. And that may be a really good thing. It may be overpowered in the glider, right? And that's where the balancing act comes in, where glider is only the passenger has a chance to heal. And that's an interesting decision on who's going to fly, who's going to shoot, and what do you do if the pilot ends up with damage? And you know, so all this has me thinking about like, okay, if we just said something like circle settings, if we just said something like, you know, ranked or match pacing, it's probably more targeted than that. I guess in my mind, it it had me thinking about circles, like the blue zone. And I think the core gameplay, the thing that should never change about PUBG is that the circle closes in on a final position. It closes players in to where they are more and more likely to have to get into a PvP encounter at the end of the game. You know, it's really rare that there's not a PvP encounter to finish the game, but it does happen. I don't think that circle settings and match pacing are necessarily core. You know, there's some that would argue that Erangel's match pacing may be core. It's the one that everybody points to as being perfect. I think this is fascinating because I do think the concept of the Battle Royale that PUBG has, the circle closing in on that last position, that's core. I don't think that should be changed, but I do think there's opportunity in the circle settings and match pacing and how ranked could be worked into this conversation as well. I think we need to really think about what Chaco was talking about in his Twit Longer post and how the blue needs to force people together for that final engagement, and it really needs to be more punishing to be in it but less punishing to be outside of the next one before that thing starts moving. If you start moving this is the same time as the circle moves, you should be able to outrun the circle. If you're on the far end of the circle and have to run in, that circle is going to pass you and you cannot catch up unless you find a vehicle. And it leads to them reducing blue zone damage, which just leads to these ridiculous fights miles outside of the circle. And sometimes you'll be sitting in the circle and wondering where everyone is. And then you see all these people dying in the kill feed. You can't hear it, but you're in a spot where you should be able to hear everything in the circle. And then you start seeing the Nox dying to blue zone damage. You're like, oh, they're fighting miles away over in school while I'm down south on the bridge. <laughs> like, wh- what is happening here? You know? Right. So I think the circle closing in on the last position, that is a core part of PUBG and, and the Battle Royale. As we know, it, the only one who ever did anything different is really Ring of Elysium. Uh, RIP, that game had some really cool things in it too. But yeah, circle closing on the last position is core. That's probably one of the things in the core gameplay of PUBG that can be changed the most, which we just talked about. But the pacing could change, the speed could change, the match pacing could change, but I don't think they would ever change the circle closing in on the last position. That's my no. point. And yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's core. But all the other things related to it, I don't think are core, and I think they should mess with that. I would like to see, you know, a faster game on Vikendi or, you know, the or Miramar. Would you argue that the maps as they sit right now are core? And I would say no. You know, the people point to Miramar as being too slow sometimes. So it's like, okay, can we take 
Miramar and take the outer edge of it off, you know, where nobody goes anyway, or if they do, they're just memeing. Why not take the outer perimeter of Miramar and either shrink it down or shrink some of the wide open fields? And I'm super stoked to see what they do with the remaster of Miramar that's been teased, because I just think that that map could be made to be even more in line with Erangel and have the same pacing, which would probably make it one of, if not the most beloved map out there, because people point to the gunfights on Miramar as being some of the best things that you can do mm-hmm. from a fun and rewarding perspective in this game. Now, we're talking about you know the core gameplay and circles and rotations and stuff like that, uh, and like how much blue damage it should be doing. If we were going to speed up the game a little bit by having more blue damage and maybe a little bit faster shifts, I still think you should be able to outrun it, but would you consider... Um, Especially on the big maps, which I think like the 8x8, 6x6 is really where the core of PUBG really should be. Would you agree that vehicle rotations are a core of PUBG? Oh, man. I think if that was true, I I think that may be more true after the stabilization fix because people realized just how important being able to move around was. And then when you paired that with being able to be accurate and shooting, it's become almost overpowered for somebody who has good aim to drive around and shoot people. It's gone from being able to hold a like a position that was, you know, a pass through for vehicles and be strong because you're standing on the ground. It went from being strong to being a liability to be sitting and shooting at a vehicle because the vehicle could fly by you and still shoot perfectly. It's it's like changed that on its head. I think the rotations with vehicles, especially on a map like Miramar and very often on Arangal and Vikendi are core to the game. I think it should still have the harder shooting, a little less stability, um, a little more mastery involved in it. But I also think, how much does it suck when you can't outrun the circle and there's no vehicle anywhere? You're checking all the spawns and they're not there. I'd still love to see hard spawns for some vehicles. There's nothing worse than landing, or maybe even it's just like hard spawns for vehicles on the farther reaches of the map. So that if the map is going to shift on you really hard, because you landed in Zarki and this thing's going military. Just give me a vehicle, please. Yeah. I guess the way I look at it is I don't know that vehicle rotations are core. I think having vehicles on certain maps are core. But I, I also look at it to say that pacing could be done in a way where vehicles aren't required. Karakin's an example of that. Whether you like the pacing of Karakin or not, there's no vehicles on that map and it works fine right? It works for what it is. It's a faster paced, smaller map. That's fine. The same thing could be done on bigger maps with pacing, with number of players, that kind of stuff. Now, I do think vehicles are an opportunity. I think it's a place that could be innovated on. It continue to be developed because look at the Roadster, right? We got this new car recently and it's fast. It's only got two seats and it is really fun to drive. It's got great sound to it and, you know, you kind of seek it out. And it's like, why isn't there a new car all the time? Like, why isn't there a new car every month? Why isn't there, uh, you know, different types of things with cars? Like that Roadster is really unstable if you take it off the road, but it is fast. Right. So there's interesting decisions to be made. Do we want, you know, the Dacia, the tried and true, the stable, the combo of speed and hard to hit? 
Or do we want to jump in this thing where, you know, we got a 50% chance of flipping this roadster? I look at vehicles as more of an opportunity than core, but I do see how the argument could be made that vehicle rotations may be something core, but I just argue that one both ways because they have maps where, you know, whether it was um, Paramo while it was out or Haven or Karakin, where vehicles weren't on those. I think the thing that really hurt <laughs> that hurts some of those maps is again something that and, I, and we're all over the page here but i look at things like bots versus pure pvp and i think that's probably the most controversial core discussion out there because haven in the duos mode was all players and no vehicles and i had so much fun on haven when it was duos only and i haven't stepped foot in it in squads Mm -hmm. because it's just uninteresting to me. But that map didn't suffer for lack of vehicles. I don't think Karakin suffers for lack of vehicles. But I do think that those maps were super fun because you knew you were battling another person. And I really, truly believe that something that is core to PUBG and has slightly been lost is the pure PvP, is knowing that you're encountering other people. When that was removed or taken away slightly and you question even whether something was a bot or pure PvP, that's tainted some of those maps, at least in my mind. Yeah, and I thought Paramo was, was great, but again, as a squads map, it was a little difficult. As a duos map, I feel like Paramo would be beautiful and I wish they would have done, you know, half a season as squad and half a season as duo like they did with, you know, Haven, which was, I think squads is just way too, way too, it's just wrong. It's just too, there's not enough people in general, it's only 32 players, so that, that's not enough teams. The angles and stuff, there's just too many angles in those buildings to have four-man teams fighting each other. And I guess I would have just liked to see them, hey... Uh, today it's duos, tomorrow it's squads, and that rotates back and forth over and over. Like, if you really want to test it out... Do an hour and a half on, hour and a half off if you're playing Haven or playing Paramo, or it's like if you click what small if it's, maps. What if they have both, dude? What if they had Paramo and Haven available, and one was duos, one was squads, and they just alternate back and forth? Every hour and a half or something. Right. So it's like, we talk about how there's too many, you know, cues and stuff, and things like that. Well, what if, you know, you had mini and mini and large battle royale, but you could play solo only on, you know, large or something or only on small or something. I don't even want to get into the solo, but like between the duos, <laughs> between the duos and the squads, right? right? You play, you know, large games and you can only play those in duos for an hour and a half and then only in squads for an hour and a half. And maybe that messes with some people because they only want to play those big maps as a squad. But you know what? They can go over to the small maps like Sandhawk and Paramo and things like that, and they can play those as a squad in that off time. I think that can be a way to kind of like somewhat please everybody. And if it's a consistent time, so you know from like 7.30 Eastern to 9 o'clock, you and your squad can get on and play Erangel and Miramar and, you know, Vikendi only for an hour and a half, and you know that that's there as a duo or as a squad, like that is your time to get on. You know, maybe maybe you're the duo that starts at nine and plays until 1030 on the big maps. That's your thing, you know, and you just have like your play date with your buddy, just like, yo, we're going to show up and nine o'clock, be there because we only got an hour and a half and then it switches over and then we got to play small maps. And I know we don't really want to do that. That can be interesting too. And do that on the live server. Just test it out. See how it works. You're going to get people who complain. My squad always got on this time and you picked. It's like, all right, well, we couldn't please your specific squad. But like, this is allowing us to give Haven and Paramo to the duos to people at least a little bit, at least half the time. So that could be interesting for sure is, is something like that. And I still would love to see if they're going to keep all these 
different sized maps and different playstyle maps. Right. I'd love to see a split between big and small because you have your playstyle and you have what you prefer. I like PUBG on bigger maps. I like vehicle rotations. I like the, you know, space in between fights. It's not just constant, you know. I like that about PUBG. So I would love to see something like that. I'll also go back to a really controversial one of bots because I think the Haven implementation of bots was actually great, right? Where you knew they were going to be on there, they're kind of marked, and they present an opportunity for people that want to go hunt them. But there's also a risk of that because other players can go there. It's one way in, one way out. But you knew that the player count at the top right of your screen was always how many actual players were on the map. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a very interesting way to do that. And I actually really enjoyed the commander uh, situation on Haven. It might have been a little too heavy, but like I liked it. You know what I mean? It was a good it was a good way to draw players together. Good way to get good loot. It also a lot like the loot on Haven was pretty good unless you land in one of those big buildings and then you just were running the floors for the whole game. But it was overall really good. What if they took that same concept and if they, you know, if there's 70 people queued up for Erangel and they need to fill it with bots, what if they made it so 70 players dropped into Erangel and there were commander buildings, right? And they were marked somehow, right? Again, it it may draw certain players towards, I mean, it's just things could be attempted. And if it blew up and didn't work, okay, great. (laughs) You know, It, it would be found out really quick if it was OP or whatever. But in a public match, I think there's room for innovation that way. And I just, again, I'm going to come back to this is my opinion. If you've listened for a while, you know, like, I think from a new player perspective, bots are fantastic, right? It gets you into PvP, it gets you shooting. The problem is, as you get more and more experience, bots ruin rotations, they'll spawn in behind you and take three quarters of your health with an Uzi. And that's not teaching players of any kind good things, right? You shouldn't be worried about a section that you just cleared and have to flip around to a tree you just left and have to shoot a bot. It should be like an offline mode, a tutorial kind of thing that you can play a smaller, faster game or or whatever against all bots. You know, like that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be in the main game. The bot implementation on Haven was not intrusive. They aren't roaming around and, and screwing with you and messing up your plays if you're not going if you're not looking for them, you don't need to worry about them. The players who do look for them can come out stronger for it, but they can also die because of the way it draws in the other players who also want that better loot. I right. think that is a smart implementation of it. I also really like playing Paramo because it was in a time where the bots seemed like they were everywhere, there was just no bots at all on Paramo. I just didn't like that it was not duos on a map that seemed tailored for it. Right. And I think it's worth noting here, like when we're talking about core and opportunity, like if you don't agree with us, that's okay. Like I love these discussions, right? Chaco put that tweet out and it got tons of response. Player IGN put his deal out and people agree with him, disagree with him. And I think that's good. I think having these conversations is really good because you're not going to agree with everything we say and you may really disagree with something we say, but I think this is what I want to see. I want to know What are the core things that PUBG is and where are the opportunities? What can be worked on? Where are ideas being taken? Because sometimes it feels like the core has just sort of slowly left. You know, the core that was a PvP only 100 players fight to the finish, right? And then we hear things like uh, it's a survival game and you can't get loot in the beginning and oh, now bots are here. Okay, well, what's the core? (laughs) What are we trying to protect? What is PUBG as its foundation. 
And it's not to say that it can't be innovated on. Healing, I thought was core. I thought it was set in stone. I thought it shouldn't change. And you changed my mind with something that could be innovated on there, but enhance the core. But it's protecting the original. And it protects that core base of healing while just allowing a specific scenario. I mean, I really don't see a time when you'd be healing up someone other than being in a car. But like, let's say you just took a big fight and you're about to get third partied and your buddy is hitting a, you know, med. Maybe you also are healing them with like a quick drink and maybe that's overpowered, but we try it and we see what happens. Another thing is if you go and you do these things on live servers in public matches, if people are like, I don't like this change at all. I want to play regular PUBG. Then maybe ranked gets to flourish because it's tried and true, unchanged PUBG. Um, nothing would change in the core of ranked and like pro play unless it was like tried and tested on live servers, public servers, and was around for long enough and accepted, widely accepted. And then the pros and, and ranked players were like, you know what? I think this does add to the core of what PUBG is. We could bring that in the pro play and pub and ranked play as well. But like, if you don't like, you know, healing your friends or whatever they might change and test on live servers, ranked would be there for you. Ranked would be normal and, and be exactly what you want. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I mean, I, we've spent a lot of time on the core stuff. We've spent a lot of time on uh, some of the controversial things. So, I mean, let's look at some of the opportunities. And maybe these are systems that got developed and then just nothing has happened with them. Or it's just things that we would like to see either looked at again or added to the game. And when whenever I think about this, I, man, I look at the mastery system and charms and things like that. And it just, it blows my mind that this hasn't been expanded on. Like, how is there not an achievement system, right? If you want to affect players' gameplay, put an achievement system in there, right? Light two players on fire with one gas can and get a kill, or right? you can do all these things. And there's this opportunity to reward gun skins, or maybe you get a charm for that. You know, if I could get a gas can charm because I have a hundred gas can kills and I can put that on stuff, it would make it interesting and cool to not only show that off, but if someone kills me and loots my gun, they'd be like, oh man, this guy is a gasoline monster. This pyromaniac. <laughs> right. It, or a skin related to that. It's like we have the mastery system. We have guns that level up. We have charms. But there's nothing that ties all those together, and there's just a huge opportunity there to drive unique and fun decisions in-game. Like, oh, I have the opportunity to set up a spiked strip, and I could maybe burn some... I mean, there's just so many cool things that could be nudging players in a direction to try new things, to try new stuff with an achievement system. If you can pop 100 tires or something with the you know spike strips, maybe you get a Dacia car skin that actually has like studded like spikes on the side, like some sort of like punk rock looking skin that actually changes a little bit of the, the model of the car. Just enough so that if you see it and someone's driving past, you're like, that guy sets up bridge camps. Like that guy sets up. Those little things could be fun. I think achievements that tie to like skins would be so cool that aren't battle pass related, aren't timed related, but like just an overall, like if you do this throughout the lifetime of the game, you can get this one cool thing go try it. And maybe it's really hard to get. Maybe it's like as difficult as getting 100 killer kills in Tarkov. Like it is something that only the most dedicated will maybe get. Then there's some that are more general that like everyone can kind of do. Um, that could be really interesting. But something that, you know, we were talking about a little bit of player IGN, but we haven't explained what he was talking about. And this goes back to something that's like the last like core mechanic of PUBG and ways that it could be innovated further. And that's the knock system, right? 
the knock system in PUBG, player IGN, you know, people ask him, like, should there be respawns in PUBG? And, and, you know, he made a post and he actually mentioned the podcast and said, you know, I've been thinking about this ever since, you know, we talked about it a while ago. When the knock system was first introduced to PUBG, H1Z1 was still really big. It was like the battle royale and PUBG was new and in beta and all that stuff. He mentioned how H1Z1 players thought that the knock mechanic where you can get knocked and get picked back up by your teammate would make BRs too easy because H1Z1 just had, you shot them, you shot them dead. There was no knock. They were just dead and out of the game. And PUBG added that in. Ever since, that's become the standard for every single BR. You cannot release a, a BR today and not have the knock mechanic. There is at least that one simple safety net. I don't think anyone would agree or disagree that the, the knock system is integral to PUBG. I mean, then, you know, it brings up the, the thirsting or flushing conversation all the time. You know, and that's like a tactical decision you have to make. Do I spend time to flush or do I get the knock and keep pushing to get his teammate who might come around the corner? Because you can die flushing. And that's when people get the most mad at people, right? It's like, I got killed. <laughs> I got killed by a player who we ended up killing easily because he was wasting his time focusing on a downed player instead of shooting at the teammates of mine who could still kill him and did kill him. And so now I'm out of this game for the rest of the game for like just the fact that this guy was so thirsty for a kill that he had to lose his own life just to snuff mine out, right? Would you agree though? Like, I don't think there's any like real thing to disagree with at this point, but the knock system is like also a core thing in PUBG and something they brought in that was unique at the time. Yeah, I, I do. I think that the knock system is a core thing. I think where the questions come up is a, or an opportunity could be, is the respawn system, right? And it's like, okay, do you believe that the knock system is core and is final or that the knock and res system that we currently have could use some additional tweaks. And I think it's a controversial core, but I think the knock res system as it stands, I don't think that gets removed. I do think that the discussion, the conversation around should respawns taking a player back from completely dead, is that something that should be tried? That's really what it comes down to. And that's why, you know, player IGN's post blew up because he said maybe they should try it. Maybe all these other games have it right. I just can't believe we haven't tried it. I can't believe it at this point in the game, it just hasn't been tried at all. That would have been something that I thought would have been a no-brainer to put into a test server. One of the things that I've noticed or that I see is like, I I'm sure that takes a tremendous amount of development time, and I don't want to diminish that. However, I don't think that a system to test it needs to be pretty, right? Like, we don't need a plane like apex says it where you know when you get brought back a plane comes in and drops you off and you parachute down like if we wanted to try this in games for a week or two weeks in public matches which i do think is the best place to test this hey these for the next 14 days respawns are live we're testing it out let us know what you think if you did whatever it was to cause the respawn and then the person came back it doesn't need to be this flashy thing. Like if they just appeared, that's probably okay for two weeks, right? And then if it's like, okay, here's what we heard. Here's the changes we need to make it. And some of those changes are to make it more visual, make it seem more integrated in the game. Like it doesn't need to look perfect. Again, it's another one of those things that just in theory, I can argue it on every side, right? A respawn system gives veteran players a way to get back and it's going to be really hard for new players to get to the end of the game. At the same time, if a new player has a chance to come back and they can watch their teammate go on, maybe they learn something and they're more engaged in the match and then, oh, they come back and they learn something while they were dead. 
that's a really good situation. Instead of just leaving immediately or just sitting for the rest of the game watching their friends, you know, they actually queued up as a team before they got in. But, you know, you think about someone who goes to work all day, comes home and has an hour and a half to two hours to play and they spend, you know, there's a half an hour game where your team goes to the final three teams or whatever, but you died off the jump. And so you spent 25 or more minutes just sitting there. And that's cutting into a third of your playtime for the night. You know, it's going to get old and you might switch to other games. And, you know, when it comes to the respawn idea, I think there are good things and bad things when you look at Apex and then Warzone. I mean, with Apex, they they make you jump through a few hoops. When you get flushed, there is only a set amount of time that someone has to go to your box where you died and pick up your banner. That player also can't immediately run over to your box and armor swap. They have to get the banner, which is an animation, so they can't do a, a tactic in that game where you instantly get a better vest and more health. So they have to pretty often finish the whole fight before they can even think about getting your banner, especially if you died out in the open or or where the team is holding, right? The other thing is it's on that set timer, so a lot of times they'll be trying to finish the fight, they'll be fighting tooth and nail for their life, and they don't get to your box in time. And now your respawn timer is is gone. You can't do it. So once they have it, though, they have to actually get to one of these respawn beacons, stand out in the open by it, which they can be shot at, and hold it for five seconds or more or whatever it is. And then it's a very loud dropship that comes in. Everyone can hear and knows and sees it. And they know that a, a player is coming down who has, you know, nothing on them. And it's definitely dangerous for them to be coming back. And it puts their team at risk being out in the open with this giant beacon of like this team is down a man or weak and we can take advantage of them and but it also allows them if they're able to get on the ground and get away to continue on with their game and that player has to go and potentially loot all new stuff halfway through the game so they only have that white armor and the gun with no extended mag and stuff because they couldn't get back to their box or maybe they do get all their stuff back because they wiped the whole town they only lost that one player and now they brought them back and they can go loot the spoils as well but it's like it creates this notification for everyone in the area that, hey, someone just got brought back over here. Something might be up. You know, we can go check this out. And so it, incre- it creates more engagements. I don't like Warzone's million ways to come back. You know, you get a free respawn in the Gulag, plus you can buy them back like multiple times, I think. That yep. seems like way too much. I mean, that's the reason people get 50 kills in a game with 100 something players. You know, I don't even know how many players, 150 or something. But like, it's like there's no way they killed. 50 unique people. They're killing some people multiple times over and over. You know, sometimes players are coming back three times. And that's way too much. I think they've overtuned that. But it's, you know, kind of noob friendly. You can run away. You don't have to grab a banner or anything. You can just go collect money and buy them back. It's maybe why it's so successful, but I don't think it's like really BR at that point. It's this giant sandbox that only becomes a BR in the last circles. But I think Apex did a pretty good job of balancing that. You have limited time to get there. You have to get their banner. And then you have this kind of dangerous buyback or bringback experience. And I think PUBG could do a similar thing where they only give you a certain amount of time to be able to do something to have the eligibility to bring your teammate back. You know, you can't just run away and bring them back. You have to do something where you sneak in and get their token the revive token or whatever it is on their body something that is dangerous to do or you have to win the fight and be able to do it and then you have to go somewhere and it is dangerous to do it maybe there's only five spots on the map you know four corners plus the middle somewhere and like teams could camp it teams could hold you out from it teams could kill you while you're coming back and you know i don't know how we bring them back do you drop back in (laughs) what does it look like i don't know it probably should be kind of loud and and not discreet at all 
But they could just test this on live, and then again, you don't like the idea. You're like, this ruins PUBG for me. Ranked is there for you. Go play Ranked. Let Ranked be popular. Let Ranked be a thing. And let Ranked be something that you're proud of when you get somewhere, because a lot of players are playing it. They're like, you know, this is the true PUBG experience. I'm going to play Ranked, and I'm going to try and hit Diamond. And don't let Ranked be something where you can't play with your friends because you're Plat and they're only a Silver. Like, if you're going to have to play against all Diamond teams... There's no reason you can't bring your silver friend in with you like that until it gets big enough. I don't think the restrictions on ranked or something, but that's a different story. But the idea would be test things in live, like a respawn system, and just let it go for a month. Good or bad, let it go for a month. And if you don't like it, you can go play ranked. It's always going to be there for you, that kind of thing. Right, right. Well, and and I'm not totally sold on a respawn system, but there was a few things that you mentioned that I think are, again, I think they're opportunities, you know, the visual aspect of the respawn in Apex where, you know, you know, somebody is getting respawned there. And after you've played it for a while, you know how long that takes. I think there's there's some opportunity for that, right? Because utility is the thing that gets pointed at where you could add a lot of utility into PUBG. You could add a lot of really cool things, and they've done this in some ways. But sometimes they get pointed at as either not being effective or too powerful or worrisome. You know, like, for example, the Jammer Bag. This is one that, in theory, it could be really disruptive, and it changes a core mechanic of the blue zone. And I've argued that I think it's pretty neat. But I, I think with utility, like more visual cues or audio cues, like, you know, if you want to add something in like a jammer bag, what if what if an alternate to the jammer bag was tested out? What if it was a grenade that was thrown and it it popped open the blue zone in a in a circle, in a circle that shrunk, right? So you're basically adding some safe area, but it gave visual cues to anybody else that was looking at the zone edge, like, oh, that part of the circle just blew out. They threw a a zone enhancer grenade. And so there's something for the other player to operate on. To you know, know it's, that that person's safe for a time. They could be, or they could be. It could be a yeah. distraction. It could be whatever. But the the jammer bag is simply somebody gets to literally, like, zoom around for a number of seconds. Yeah, so it's just, it's not something you would expect. Like in the hundreds of matches I've had over the last year, here's, I have tons of matches in PUBG, right? That's not something that you can train yourself to check for or expect because it's totally silent. You don't know what's going on. And there's just visual cues or something they could do, I think, to innovate on that and make it neat. You know, if it was a grenade that opened up some area, well, you could use it as a distraction. It, it makes an interesting decision versus one that only benefits the user. And being the person who loses to that is going to be an absolutely frustrating situation when you realize that, oh, you were the victim of the one in a thousand games that's actually affected by a jammer bag. Right. Yeah. So there's opportunity there. I could even see the jammer bag being something with its own visual cue to it. So say you see a whole team coming in, rotating in from the blue and you're kind of holding, if someone's using, if only one player is using a jammer bag, what if there are like just little sparks fly off the top, of, you know, over the head and shoulders, just little tiny sparks that are flicking because that jammer bag is working hard to combat the blue for that player. And what if it made like a little more noise? Because it does make a little noise when it like dies on the player, but someone holding will never know that, right? So maybe a slightly more of a buzz noise that one, 
players using it in the blue can't hear other things around them as easily and other players further away can recognize that hey there's a player in the blue rotating because i can hear the sparks flying or something you know what i mean and then seeing the sparks flying you could be like okay let's focus on the guy with the jammer bag shoot the sparky man you know what i mean like shoot the dude with sparks coming out of his head because that guy has is not tanking any health right now we need to hurt him and the uh, or you do the opposite hey we'll save that guy for last Let's get the other guys because they don't have any, they're losing health right now. So it might be easier to get the knock. Like you can have decisions based around it, but it doesn't just make the person using it have all the advantage. Yeah, that, that's just it. It's like, I, I love that because again, there's there's risks, there's rewards, and it makes for interesting decisions. And that's where I want to see them focus when it's not a core gameplay thing, right? I, I love that. So, I, I mean, again, we could probably just, we could keep rattling these things off. Like, I think what I want to do here is just invite anybody, like, if you think something is core to PUBG and needs to be maintained and not tweaked very much, and it's not on our list, we'd love to hear about it. If you think there's some big opportunities that haven't been discussed or you don't agree with the things we believe are opportunities, let us know. This is a discussion. We'd love for PUBG to hear this. We would love to hear some response on this, but I think we'll hit our final thoughts as we close out of here. But I want to open this up. And if, you, if you're passionate about something that you think is core, not core, controversial or whatever, let's start the conversation. You know, tag us on Twitter or whatever. Let's get the conversation going. But Kev, so what are you, is there anything that's just sticking in your mind as some final things that you would love to see this year from PUBG? Yeah, I mean... This conversation is sparking because of two other community members, and I want to thank them. It's you know Chaco Taco for his well-thought-out twit longer on things that we can do today to change the game that wouldn't be, in theory, too, too difficult or too out of the realm of possibility. And then another thing is, is Player IGN, and he talked about how the knock system went from being non-existent in H1Z1 and said to be too radical by those players to being universally loved. And now we, it brings up this discussion of respawns and how we can maybe implement them. But another thing he mentioned about just like the overall how like PUBG was the innovator at that time with that mechanic. And then people or sorry, other games like Apex Legends and Warzone have become the new innovators. They've gone past and further for better or worse in our mind, right? And and there's opportunities and things we can learn from them to maybe catch PUBG up in certain aspects or just innovate their game further and maybe innovate further than what Apex has done in a way that still maintains that core that we spent a lot of time talking about. And one of the other things that Player IGN brought up was the ping system that Apex Legends put in where you can ping and see visual markers on the actual world, not just on the map, um, which PUBG tried, but it was revolted against at the time. And it was still a little bit clunky to try and put in. But Apex is so simple. You just middle mouse button. I don't know what the button is on controller, but like it is it is used often. It is used to great effect when playing with random players who don't have their mic. It is a very good system. And it's now in almost every BR. You know, if you can think of a BR, it probably has it. And PUBG, you know, got backlash and just took it out. And what's left today is not very useful. And I couldn't tell you how to do the current iteration of PUBG's ping system at all. I don't even know if I have a button for it. I know Trigger uses it here and there, but I think the ping I use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to use it. And it doesn't seem intuitive to me. It doesn't seem to be helpful or necessary because of the way it's implemented. But I don't I wouldn't mind at this point being able to actually like put a little tiny visual marker that only lasts like two or three seconds on the tree that I last saw a guy. Just mark it, you know? I don't know if that would be bad. And again, that can just be put in public lobbies and you have to stick with it for two weeks. For better or for worse, it's there for two weeks and see if it really changes the flow of PUBG. 
And if everyone hates it, it can go away again. But I think it was implemented in the one iteration that I remember it for just too little time before everyone said, get it out of here. And they did. I think it was booted out because it was being abused in ways like where you could, you know, look at a crate and put a pin on it. It would show you the exact distance and landing location of it. Right. So it was little things that caused it to be removed. That wasn't the issue. <laughs> right? That, that's not why people wanted it. It was like, well, I mean, people are going to find unique ways to use things and test it out. So if you test something, expect it to get tested. And if you can't mark things in the sky because you don't want people to be able to figure out how far away the crate is or where it's going to drop, that's great. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it just I think it may, it may have been too short of a test. On yeah, that. you can't move. You can't mark moving objects and have them be like permanently marked. It'd be annoying to be a car that's flying by and they just click on your car with their you know ping and then actually follows your car. Right. Or it follows like like you said, you can figure out distances too easily or something because of that ping. But a visual marker to say, hey, I just saw a team over on that hill where that, you know, I saw a team on the, you know, on Everest. Well, that thing is huge. Where are they? Oh, well, they're right here. I pinged it. You know what I mean? And you didn't have to open your map and take yourself out of the the situation to relay that information. You know, it just, I don't think it takes away from it. And at the time, I, I remember myself being kind of against it because I was like, no, no, we've learned how to do, how to communicate based on the degrees on the, you know, the compass and you know, we have callouts for the maps and stuff, but like at this point, that doesn't help new players at all, right? Well, yeah, but it, there's even other ways to do it, right? And this is the innovation point. What if when you drop in, you have five markers per player? And what if you could loot them, right? It, it, there's definitely a lore opportunity or an in game way to make it a thing. There's just a lot of different ways. I think it could be improved on even what the other games are doing. What if you got five and you had to loot them and you could, you know, plan on finding between six and ten markers. And if you didn't have a visual marker, it was just the old, you know, flag on the minimap or the soft marker on the compass. At this point, most people know how to use those. But if you made it something that was, you know, part of the game and not just you can ping as many times as you want. Again, interesting decisions. And those are the kind of things that that I think need to be focused on is how to make it interesting and not just, okay, let's make the game quote unquote easier for the sake of doing it. I just think there's more, it's more to it than just, oh, let's add a ping system. I think there's ways that could be interesting and dynamic. Yeah. And I just think it comes to this point of like, if you did happen to leave PUBG for a time because of Warzone or Apex and then come back, maybe you expect not to have the respawn, but you've learned to like it and you wouldn't mind seeing it. And and maybe though, it's something like the ping system though, where not having it just feels so, so foreign and outdated at this point to you because you've gotten so used to just, that's just in BRs, right? Like I can just ping where things are. Like there's an opportunity to try it out. And if it comes out too powerful, change it without getting rid of it or, or completely diluting it to the point where a player like myself thinks it's not usable. Um, maybe I do need a lesson from you on how to use it better. <laughs> but, you know, there's just things that I think PUBG could do a little bit to catch up in terms of what the modern average BR player thinks is is integral to a BR, not just integral to PUBG. Maybe PUBG players who only play PUBG are like clinging to something that the rest of the BR community doesn't think is is like a make or break kind of a thing and maybe we can try it out and again if you just do it in public matches and see what happens maybe it'll actually get enough feedback and testing and honestly sometimes you have to have something in the game that you can abuse 
like heavily by the like a majority of players before you can know like okay this was a big mistake and we're taking it out this stuff happens in apex all the time because of the uh, little legends and stuff you see like okay this combination of players is way too strong together we have to do something to nerf this back to being playable or not overly meta or whatever warzone has some things where things get heavily abused as well and they have to fix those but they leave it in for long enough to get enough testing to know that it's a real legitimate problem that's like game breaking affecting the pacing and stuff but it's happening in real time on the map on the game that everyone's playing not just the test server that is seldom used by the majority of players by a good mix of players I think that's just critical, man. I think that smaller tweaks or the willingness to try something and fully take it out if it doesn't work is something that needs to keep happening. You know, it was something that happened a lot a few years ago, but just hasn't been happening a whole lot recently. And I'd love to see them get back to trying stuff, innovating, testing, and and be willing to make mistakes. You know, things like, I, I don't know, gun variability, customization, like, why can't we choose our reticles or why can't the panzer spawn in all loot crates on all maps for a month? Like, why not take the things that already exist and add those into other maps? Or, you know, like, why can't I choose my 4X reticle? I mean, those don't those things are not core gameplay. I don't think the 4X reticle on the 7.62 caliber is core. I think that could be tweaked. I think that giving players the option to choose their reticle is something that would be very good, or at the very least, it would be okay, right? There may be a meta reticle, <laughs> right? But I don't think that if if someone's using the alternate 4X on an AK, that someone's going to be like, oh, he's an alternate 4X reticle user. Like, that's just not going to become a thing. But that gives choices and balance. And why not let, you know, from time to time, the QBZ shows up on Erangel because... Some guy brought it over on a boat, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. There's there's so much opportunity for that that would fit into the storylines and the different regions, but it would also be like, oh, I found a QBZ on Aragal, I'm using it. I know this is rare. Like it, it would just be a really neat story to tell or to remember, like, oh, remember that game where I found the the QBU or whatever and I ended up winning the game or I got dominated and the guy found it and said something in all chat like oh you had the QBU and it's just so much opportunity. It could be a lore event where there is like an arms and manufacturer in Germany that gets attacked or something in this alternate PUBG world and so because of that there's a shortage of M4s and QBZ or M4s and SCARs or just the SCAR can't be you know can't be gotten at the moment. You know, let's right. say that like the M4 is an American gun and, and the, you know, HK SCAR is, you know, German or something, which I, I might be right. I might be wrong. I don't really know guns that well, <laughs> but don't don't skewer me, people. <laughs> but there's a, there's a shortage. And so now the PUBG, you know, overlord guy, whatever the hell his name is, he has to source for Arangal. He has to source guns that are from his Sandhawk location. So you get QBZs for a month um, on Arangal, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, what do we see the, the, you know, the slightly variable QBZ compared to the SCAR? Does that get picked up way more on Arangal now because it can spray a little better at ranges? And is that breaking the game? Is it changing the M4 meta for 5.6 on that map? Like, what does it feel like? What does it look like? Is it fun? Is it bad? You know, and then if it goes away and it's like, were you there when you could use a 4X on a QBZ on Arangal and people were just destroying each other? Like, that was a time, you know what I mean? We shouldn't go back to it, but it was interesting. You know, that kind of thing right. could be really fun. Right. Like flying three-seater bikes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or like, <laughs> give us back the 8X on the M16 
and maybe also put it on the mutant. So you have that scope in your inventory and you're not sitting there with a 2x M16 because you have an 8x and you're waiting to find the slightly better, you know, mini or SKS or whatever. Like those guns are already known to be better than an M16 for what they're supposed to do and what you would use an M16 for typically. Give us back the 8x. Like just try it out. And if it becomes super meta again, that might not even be a problem. But if it is, you can take it back out and, and put it back to 4x max or something or a 6x max. Give us the options again. Try try things out on live, see what happens, and then let ranked only get changed if these things are deemed to be successful for a longer period of time in public matches. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, all things said, guy, I really think that if you think there's something that's core or not core or whatever, th- these are our thoughts, you know? And I think this is a good time to be discussing this, you know? We've been told that this is the year of two big maps. We've been told that there's, you know, a lot coming down the pipeline this year. They've got PUBG 2 coming out on mobile, and presumably we've got some stuff coming from PUBG this year on, on PC and console as well. So, with that said, I mean, I, Again, we could hit these and keep diving into them, but we just wanted to put a lot of this out there because I think it's important to talk about this now as we're kicking off this year and and about to hopefully get into some some new maps, some new fun. We just wanted to get this conversation out there. So Yeah, I only had one thing that I that I wanted to add in and I don't have to get too far into it and we'll put a link to the video that explains this a little more. But I've been asking for this forever and a lot of people have, and it just never even gets like answered by the uh, the developers. And it's the conversation around why don't we have proper action queuing in this game? You know, we're like three or four years into PUBG's life cycle. And, you know, I still can't hold my right mouse to bring up ADS. When I jump over something and hit the ground, I have to hit the ground and time it perfectly to bring it up or else it doesn't come up. I can be holding it and it just won't happen. It doesn't try to complete that action after another one ends. You have to wait for the animation to end and this goes to reloading, jumping down over something. You just have to do this and it just feels antiquated. Like almost every other shooter has that kind of action queuing for you know, mostly just comes down to ADS, but like completing another thing that you try to start before another animation ended, it just cues it and does it after it. And there's a video that we'll put in that this guy really explains how that works and then makes a correlation between that and Battlefield. I don't even know which one. It just shows how like natural and when you play other games and then come back and it doesn't work, you're like, why didn't my gun raise? And you're like, oh yeah, PUBG. Like that's a very specific thing that PUBG doesn't have. And I'm sure it would take a significant amount of coding as well. I don't want to say it'd be easy to change, but I think it's just another thing that's like, this should be expected and, and commonplace now in any shooter in 2021. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm so used to it at this point that I... <laughs> you don't notice it too much when you're back on the grind of PUBG. And like, you know, if I'm back to playing PUBG for a month straight, after two weeks, I'm not noticing anymore. It's not like a big thing to me. I'm timing it again. But from someone who's more casual, and I'm considering myself more and more casual with PUBG because I'm playing so many other games. I mean, I'm playing Valheim, which is something I never thought I would play a game like that. But I'm way more of a variety gamer than I used to be. When I come back after playing Apex or anything, and little things like that happen, it hurts my reintroduction to the game. And so anyone who's returning or new has this one other thing added on in action queuing that just feels like, why can't I do this thing? It might not make sense. And they might not understand that that's just a very PUBG thing. And they just think like, God, these controls don't even work for me. Like, what am I doing here? And then they go back to what they were used to. If it speeds up the game in a little bit, that'd be fine to me. And it would be more natural for a lot of players from other games. I just, it's just something that I would like to at least hear the rationale as to why it's not going to be put in the game ever. So I just don't understand it. And it's like, it drives me nuts when I come back to PUBG. 
Yeah, it's definitely interesting because I, I've kind of stayed in it even while restarting Wipes and Tarkov. You know, I still stream and have been streaming PUBG two or three days a week and never gotten really out of it. So Action QE is not something that's even on my radar, but I do see it come up a lot. So I, yeah, it would be cool to hear on that one. It's just interesting, right? I love talking about all this because I still play PUBG multiple days a week. I think that it's in one of the best states it's ever been in from a, you know, optimization standpoint. It's still the game I come back to to have fun with and really enjoy playing, especially duos. It's just my favorite thing to do when I've got somebody else just want to play for a couple hours. So yeah, man, I, I, I really would love to hear back from PUBG on some of this. I'd love to hear from the community on on what they think, what they want to see, what they believe is core. I mean, we could we could ramble. We could ramble for the next four hours. <laughs> but for the sake of this coming out in 2021, for you guys to hear our thoughts, you know, let's just call it now, I think. And, yeah. And let's hear from you guys, you know, who are listening. Come into the Discord and say what's up. Or just tweet at us, you know, whatever. Like, just let us know what you're thinking about the game. And uh, you can, you know, DM either of us on Discord and we'll try and get back to you. But like, you know, if you put it into a community standpoint of the Discord, we could probably have a more robust conversation about it. And it was funny, you know, we we talked about this on your stream a little bit, right? And then it turned into a bigger conversation with our hot drop friends and like the conversation got input from console and all this stuff. And it was it was interesting. So we'd love to hear from you guys on our Discord or wherever. And maybe we have a whole new topic and another hour long show for you based on something that you guys bring up. So. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, if you're looking to get in touch with us, you can always hit us both up on Discord. Uh, You can also hit both of us up on Twitter. We'll have the links to both of those uh, down in the show notes in the comments. And additionally, I do stream a couple days a week on Twitch at MTB Trigger. But as for this episode and the Winner Winner podcast this month, that's all we got. We'll see you guys all very, very soon. Winner Winner, out. Out.